Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Do you and I show love to others while they're still alive? You see, if you're a husband or a wife or you have kids or employees, the time to show them that you love and care for them is now. Because one day they'll be gone. Jesus said, she did what she could and she did it at the right time because you will not always have me here. Do you know you not always have your husband or wife with you? Your grandparents? Your children? It's a good time to tell them you love them right now. When you hear the word greed, what comes to mind? If you're limiting your idea of greed to a money-hoarding Mr. Scrooge, you need to expand your definition of it. As Christians, we can be greedy with our time, with our possessions, and even our testimony. Placing our own self-interests before time with God puts Him last and our greedy nature first. Having a selfless heart and a desire to serve the Lord requires a willingness to give everything to Him, not just our things, but all those parts of our flesh that keep us from giving our whole selves to Jesus. Don't be greedy with your heart. Everything you have and everything you are truly belongs to Him. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse 1. For part one of our message entitled, Danger, Greed, Pride, Unbelief, and Apathy. On the first day of school, a kindergarten teacher said, if anyone has to go to the bathroom during our teachings, hold up two fingers. <laughs> a little voice from the back of the room asked, you can picture it, a little tiny voice, first day he's ever been in kindergarten, how will that help? <laughs> Sometimes we don't understand what will help us. How will two little fingers help me? We're going to give you four danger signs, whether you're a Christian or an unbeliever. You're going to mix that with lots of grace. Hopefully that will help us as we go through our teaching. You're going to see the disciples, Jesus' disciples, all of them fall away. That's why I mixed it with lots of grace, because we need it. What can we learn from their mistakes? That's what we're here for. Let's look at verse 1. Now the Passover and the Feast of the Unleavened Bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. Now the chief priests and the teachers of the law had already decided to kill Jesus. But they were looking for the right opportunity. They knew it couldn't be during Passover. At least that's what they believe. Because Josephus tells us there was anywhere from 600,000 to 2 million people cramming the streets in Jerusalem. And Jesus, for the average person, was a pretty popular person. So they knew they wouldn't risk a riot trying to arrest Jesus during that time. The Jewish leaders were threatened by Jesus. 
just as we are today, much of the religious world today operates by religion. There's no life in it. It's form, it's ritual, and the power of the Holy Spirit is missing. And that's really what was happening in the Jewish church. It had become ritual. It had become something that you did that brought no life. When Jesus came on the scene, people got excited. Their lives changed. Their marriages were put back together. The demons that were in their life were gone. The sin that they thought they couldn't overcome was gone by the power of Jesus Christ. So he became very popular. The Jews understood that when that took place, what was going to happen was this, the leaders, that pretty soon their status was going to be gone. But it wasn't only their status, their money was going to be gone. So they were out to kill Jesus. You'll see that these religious leaders, how strange, become cold-hearted murderers. Now, in between this picture of the religious system and the failure of the 12 disciples, we have a picture of love and grace. We need it because as you go through this this morning, it's a hard teaching. In between that, we have a wonderful lady who is a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Let's start with her story before we get to the tough parts. Verse 3. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. And she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Now this unnamed woman was probably Mary, one of the other Gospels tells us, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. She came into the room where Jesus was reclining. And she brought this little stone flask with a slender neck that inside was filled with a costly perfume, nard. It had come from India. She comes into this room, and the Bible tells us in another passage that she broke the jar and poured the oil on the head of Jesus and then took a little bit that was left and put it on his feet and took her long hair and just anointed the feet of Jesus. Now this expression of devotion by this lady, it's very interesting if you study it. I'd never known this before. This single expression, which we've just read, is the only expression of love that Jesus gets through his entire passion. Except for one other the betrayal kiss of Judas. So this meant much to Jesus. Now what was the reaction that this took place? What was the reaction of those that were there? Well, we see it in verse 4. Now some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of the perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wage and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. One of the other Gospels tells us that the person that started the griping was Judas. And he complained. And he basically, in our terms, would have said something like this. Hey, what a waste. This flask of perfume cost 32000 Picture that. $32,000 and you've wasted it. We could have taken that, sold it, and given the money to the Salvation Army. 
That's what Judas was saying. Now, the disciples were insensitive to what had taken place in Jesus' life, but Judas had another motive. It was based on one of the four dangers we're going to talk about this morning. The first is greed. A simple definition. Greed, the craving to get rich. Now, before you dismiss this and say, well, thanks, Pastor Mark, I don't have any problem with greed. Let me just read a little to you. It's grasping, it's covetous, it's desirous, it's indulgent, it's piggish. Greed is self-centered and selfish. It is the very opposite of giving and generosity. Now, John tells us something else about Judas. John tells us that Judas was the treasurer of the disciples. So he was interested in money. But the Bible also tells us he was not only the treasurer of the disciples' fund, but the Bible tells us in the book of John that Judas was actually a thief. Early on, since he'd been called into the disciples' fold, Judas began to steal money. He would kind of creatively fix the books. He would go through the books and it would look like everything is fine, but Judas was pocketing money. You see, greed was part of his life. Now, when Judas spoke up as the lady poured the money, he was not saying, as some of us think, he was not thinking of this charitable donation being given to the poor, to the Salvation Army. What was Judas thinking about? More money in the treasury, another percentage that I can skim off the top. So his motive was known. The disciples didn't know he stole, but Jesus knew knew it. He understood the motive of Judas. We see in verse 6 something, and I wish we could tell you what the sentence or the tone of Jesus' response was, but you can probably guess it. Jesus says this to those that were griping. Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Jesus says, the poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. You see, he was saying again, I'm almost to the point of going to the cross. You don't get it. You've missed it. And this woman is blessing me. Look in verse 8. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. They didn't get it. What Jesus was saying is she was preparing me for my... He knew what was happening. Mary didn't know what was happening. She just knew now was the time that was right. When Jesus says, leave her alone, what he's saying to the disciples is this, I can see her heart. She has done a beautiful thing. She has given all she has. She has done what she could. I think that says a couple things to us this morning. The first thing I think it says is this. Jesus said the timing of her gift was perfect. Do you and I show love to others while they're still alive. You see, if you're a husband or a wife or you have kids or employees, the time to show them that you love and care for them 
is now. Because one day they'll be gone. Jesus said, she did what she could and she did it at the right time because you will not always have me here. Do you know you not always have your husband or wife with you? Your grandparents? Your children? It's a good time to tell them you love them right now. Just express that to them. The second thing I think is very important here. Notice he says, she did what she could. Show your love for God while you are alive. You see, Jesus didn't know when she was going to die, but she did what she could at the moment. She gave herself. She is a picture of total commitment, giving of what she had. She held nothing back. She gave it to God. And when you look at this, let me ask you something very important. Why didn't Jesus, right at this moment, expose Judas and his real motive? Why didn't Jesus, when the griping came from the back of the room, why didn't Jesus step forth and go, Hey, Judas, I know why you just said what you did. You've been stealing from me for three years. Did Jesus know he'd been stealing? Yeah. Why didn't he say it? It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. What does grace mean? Grace means undeserved mercy when we don't expect or deserve it. What was Jesus doing? He was giving Judas another opportunity to repent, to get right with God, to acknowledge his need. You see, we'll see all the way to the end, Jesus treats Judas the same way. He doesn't expose him, but gives him an opportunity to repent. Do you like grace this morning? All of you like grace, don't you? Grace is good. It's wonderful. We need it. You're going to see that as we go through. Verse 9, And Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, whenever the gospel is preached throughout the world... What she has done will also be told in memory of her. Was Jesus right? How do you know he's right? What are we doing this morning? 2,000 years later, what are we doing? We're proving his prophecy. Did this woman do it because she knew at Calvary Chapel on this date in March in 1999 we talk about her? No. And if you give for the wrong reason and the wrong motive... It isn't accepted from God either. You see, she gave because she loved God. Now, we find after this that Judas begins to do something that's going to be all the way through our story, even to tonight's teaching. Verse 10, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. And they were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money, greed. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Over his life that Jesus, Judas had been there, Judas step by step had grown in his resentment and bitterness against Jesus. You see, early on, Judas, when he was called into the disciples, he pictured this, a great earthly kingdom with Jesus set up, the Romans destroyed, and Judas, one of the leaders, big name. As time went on, he saw that that was not the goal of Jesus at all. Jesus wasn't going to establish an earthly kingdom. Judas was not going to get a high place 
of priority and pride to sit at. In fact, the more he heard Jesus, the more he disliked Jesus because Jesus kept saying this, be a servant, be a servant, be a servant. Judas didn't want to be a servant. He wanted to be proudful, high, in control, lots of authority, power. So over time, his greed led to dishonesty, and his dishonesty led to a place where now he was ready to betray Jesus Christ. So much so that he actually, in one of the other passages, goes to the Jewish leaders and says this, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? Greed is in part of all of our lives. You might say this morning, well, I'm not real greedy. Maybe not to this extent, but greed is part of our life. Selfishness is definitely part of our life. I read this this week and I liked it. A mother was preparing pancakes for her two sons, Kevin, five, and Ryan, three. And the boys began to argue as mom was cooking over who was going to get the first hot pancake. You know what I'm saying, don't you? We're even as adults, we're kind of like this. Don't give me them cold when I want the hot one that you're making right now. Well, as the mother saw them arguing over who's going to get this new bubbly pancake, she flipped it to the other side and she said, I'm going to teach these kids a moral lesson. So the mother said to Kevin and Ryan, if Jesus were sitting here at the table waiting for the pancake, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait for the second one. It's okay. Kevin, the five-year-old, turned to his younger brother, Ryan, and said, Ryan, you can be Jesus. <laughs> you see, we can be pretty selfish, can't we? If, if we can work it out just right so we can, we can fix it, greed comes through. Is greed a danger in your life? Let me give you four things. Is greed a danger in your life? Number one, what would you do for X amount of money? You say, that's a strange question. There was a movie, and I didn't see the movie, but I saw the advertisement. A couple decided for $1 million, which they were offered, that the wife would sleep with the guy that would pay a million dollars, she could be his for 24 hours if they would give the couple one million dollars at the end. Is that what your wife or husband's worth? Would you do that? Would you do that for X amount of money? You say, oh, I'd never do that. Interesting, I don't have the statistic in front of me, but recently, the last two or three months, I was reading an article that said the same thing. They kept upping the price. And they just went to an average group of people, non-Christians, and said to them, what would you do for this amount of money? And I can't remember exactly, but something like for 20 million bucks, like 80% of all the couples would have sold their spouse for 24 hours. Hmm. Well, you say, well, Pastor Mark, we're in church and we would never do that. That's fine. Let me go on to the next part. Is there any greed in our life? Will greed, number two, affect your honesty on your income tax report? Well, you're talking a whole different thing now. I mean, I'm just, I'm just fudging a few more deductions here so I can get $200 more back. Really? Is there any difference between that and first example? No. It's dishonest. You see, greed has a way of finding its way into our lives. Number three, parents, when you're offered overtime as an option and you choose it, 
And you keep choosing it. And you keep choosing it. And you're doing that to get a new boat or a new dining room set or a new toy or whatever. And your kids are growing up under your eyes. And you're choosing it and you're choosing it and you're choosing it. Right decision? Wrong decision. And I'm not talking about you that have no choice. Whatever. I'm talking about when it's offered to you as an option. Do we sell our families in the time with them for money, for greed? And lastly, if you're here this morning, is there anyone out there that's refusing, number one, the call of Jesus Christ to full-time ministry because you're afraid to give up what you're making in the world? You see, if you believe your security this morning comes from your job, you haven't been reading the newspaper. There are no security in our industries anymore. Everything is cut, trimmed, gone. Secondly, maybe God hasn't called you to full-time ministry as far as on staff somewhere, but when God calls you to serve, are you giving everything like this woman? She committed herself and gave it to God. You know, some of us, if we were in the room with Jesus and we had that vial or that jar of perfume, here's what some of us would have done. We would have taken it by and said, Jesus, nice jar, huh? You see, if inside that jar represents your talents, you'd have never even opened it. Because your time is more valuable serving you than it is serving God. Now, some of us would have opened the jar, and here's what we've done. Real careful. One drop. Hey, Jesus, how you like it? Good, huh? One. You give just enough. You serve just enough that it doesn't bother your conscience. Many of you just pour it out every week. You just pour it out. See, that's how this church survives. By volunteers. People serving in all different areas of ministry. Now, I don't look at people that sign up on lists for serving so that I can look you right in the eye when I talk about these things. But let me just challenge you. Most of you get it, but some of you don't get it. You see, you're holding back What's causing it? Greed. Greed. If you don't get it this morning, get it. Be part of us. Give. Now, Jesus warned us about greed. Luke twelve fifteen. it says this, Watch out! Be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. See, some of you that are greedy with your time and with your money, instead of serving God the way you should or your family, you know the price of everything, but the value of nothing. You see, any time you give to God, it never is a waste. God always takes what we give and multiplies it back to us. In today's message from Mark chapter 14, we saw Jesus' ministry on earth drawing to a close. He knew that his time was short, and as he spent time with his disciples, he used every moment to instruct them. He knew some would betray him, but he didn't condemn. He offered grace for their coming failures. 
Pastor Mark challenged us to examine the different kinds of greed that can plague even Christians. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Saturday nights at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll take a look at the problems that pride can produce in our lives. We'll see how the disciples' confidence in their devotion to Jesus was more about their own pride than being servants of Christ. Pastor Mark will continue to highlight examples of the Lord's capacity for amazing grace and how he continues to extend that grace to all who come to him. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Palmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living and together, let's do life right.